All right, everybody, welcome back to a new episode. Um, I know it's been a while. I uh, been in some pain with my back and everything, and um, I'm happy to say I'm much better now. Anybody who has said prayers and stuff, thank you. Um, definitely, I'm glad that uh, I am healed and everything like that. So we can get back to our normal routines and stuff with this. So. This is going to be a very interesting uh, kind of topic to go over um, because this is more along the lines of, again, going into a, another religion that was actually founded um, very close to where um, Abraham came from. And um, when we understand it, we can understand what the truth is. God has always been about us. He's always been for the people. We, we've seen it throughout the Bible, and I've paralleled it in many other of my episodes, that we can see from one aspect of him choosing, you know, the, the Hebrews and everything and going on. A, a big aspect of it is um, the tribe that um, Noah, uh, Abraham came from, sorry, was called the Habarus, and, and I might be mispronouncing that, but the Habarus um, tribe that Abraham came from was a very big, um, tribe that ended up coming out from around the Iraq region or where Mesopotamia was, and we, we understand in Joshua that Abraham at one point worshipped false gods. So this is the aspect that we're going to have to go into is what are the false gods and what is the real God. Um, so there's many different gods in the world like uh like it quotes that in um in the bible too you know there's versions in roman greek um norse so i'm gonna go through a couple of them you know we um adonis in the greek version um they had uh Aphrodite, Apollo, uh, Ares, um, Artemis, Athena, uh, Chloris, Demeter, Dion, Dionysus, um, Eros, um, Garrus, Hades, um, you know, uh, Pan, Poseidon, uh, so when we understand these ones in Greek, we also understand that they have a parallels of these ones in the Roman mythologies, such as Venus, Apollo is the same in the Greek, uh, Mars, Artemis would be like Diana, um, Athena would be like Minerva, um, you know, Dionysus would be Bacchus. Um, you know, we go through... Harmonia as uh, Conardia. Um, 
Hera would be Juno. Um, you know, Iris would be Arsis. Um, Poseidon would be Neptune. You know, Zeus would be Jupiter in the uh, Roman mythology. And what's interestingly enough with Ju uh, Zeus being Jupiter is Jupiter into the um, the Mesopotamians and uh, basically the people on the east side, you know, the Babylonians and stuff. Jupiter was considered the king of planets. As we go into Norse, you have like Freya, Balder, Tyr, Skaldi, um, Freya, um, Sif, Hel. Um, you know, and then again with Zeus and then Jupiter, we have Odin, you know, so what we notice is that a lot of these polytheistic gods are parallel to each other, but what are the ones that are parallel to our God, you know, the God of the Bible. Now, a lot of people will say, well, he, they're based off the Canaanite gods, the El, Elohim, so on, so on. Well, no, that's not the case because the Canaanite gods was polytheistic. The Hebrew god is monotheistic, so you can't in interweave the two. So then it goes down to another concept of, well, well then we have to understand the Hebrews weren't originally African, and they weren't Canaanites, and they weren't, and they were, you know, in there. They originally came from Mesopotamia, Samaria, whereas where Abraham was called from. So if Abraham was called from there, then their faith comes from there. So what is the monotheistic God there? And a lot of people have been looking up and trying to understand Zoroastrianism, which is an Iranian religion and one of the world's oldest organized faiths. Now, even though many people um, look into this stuff and they, they understand it as a uh, as a um, a parallel to that, you know, these are usually like agnostics or atheists and stuff like that. Um, Zoroastrianism's monotheism also says that their God um, was uh, known as Ahura Mazda, the Lord of Wisdom and a Supreme Being, but he also had a son. And that is why they worshipped fire. The eternal flame was something that they would always, you know, look at. It was a very big thing to them. And it has unique features. Monotheism, um, messianism, uh, they have a belief of free will, judgment after death, concept of heaven, hell, angels, and demons. <clears throat> and they believe it influenced philosophical properties such as Abrahamic religions, Gnosticism, and different parts of Buddhism and Greek philosophy. But what we need to really understand about this, though, 
is that Zoroastrianism, being what it is, is that the God of the Bible didn't tell them, didn't tell Abraham to go further um, on the west. He told him to go to the east. Or, I mean, he, he told him to go to the west, not the east. So, when the... Um, when the God of the Bible says to go east, he wanted them to go to Canaan, where eventually would become Israel from his son Jacob, which was, again, renamed Israel. And this is where we have a very big confusion. Zoroastrianism does have a lot of properties that include aspects of monotheism and just because it might have been rooted to an older um an older aspect of faith of uh, monotheistic uh, monotheistic faith it doesn't mean that it is the monotheistic religion that we have all forgotten and inherited from the bible um they uh, basically what they believe is that there is a guy named Zoroaster, that's what the Greeks um, would call him, um, and he was basically like a prophet or a priest, and he was the founder of this religion. And basically, he talked about the the difference between good and evil, and the idea that the world had was created by God, Ahura Mazda, and that the forces could engage with one another. The evil one um, will be incapacitated and with the belief of an afterlife that is determined by the choices people make while they're on Earth, the final definitive defeat of evil would be the restoration of the world in its perfect state which does sound very similar to what the Bible teaches. Now, something that a lot of people don't understand, too, is that Zoroastrianism has been, um, it's been believed that King Cyrus, um, when, uh, the, during the Babylonian exile, actually practiced Zoroastrianism. So, it was a tradition, and... It's, it has a very similar parallel to um, Islam as well, but it's not as violent, you know? They don't have, you know, full-on vendettas of killing and stuff like that, at least for, from what I've read for, um, for right now. <clears throat> they would have rituals that they would perform called the Yasna, and uh, there were other rituals recited and performed by priests inside the fire temple. These being these, the people that had this would worship a fire, which was known to be Zoro um, uh, Hordrastra's um, child. So, and his son was the eternal flame. Now, as we go f further into this and we learn about um, the, the dualistic nature of the monotheistic faith of Zoroastrianism versus Christianity, 
let's take a quick look, is that it says, specifically in Zoroastrianism, that he had a son. And in the Bible, it says God has his son, which is Christ. So people see these two, and they're paralleling that. And the parallel to that is very interesting, but the context of it is there's a very different archetype to it. So people would actually reference Zoroaster, the prophet, with Ezekiel, Nimrod, Seth, Balaam, and Baruch. Um, although um, Jesus Christ himself has even been referenced into this. And the problem is, is that Jesus has never once talked about Zoroastrianism. When we have the written accounts of what Jesus would preach, he didn't mention anything about Zoroastrianism. And then you have the people that are Gnostic that talk about, you know, this is the way the world is, and this is how it happened, and this is how it is. Jesus never preached anything about Gnosticism either. So this is where we have to really throw a, a definitive line between this, draw a line in the sand and find out what's the truth and what's wrong. If Jesus isn't explaining it, and the, prophet, uh, the prophets never explained it, and the apostles never explained it, then the parallels between it are based for confusion. Now, how does this work? Well, throughout the whole New Testament, we see that the um, Pharisees and stuff, they would explain things to Jesus, and Jesus would look at them and he'd be like, but you're wrong. You're honoring this, which doesn't honor God. You're looking at this, which doesn't honor the person, which is what God wants you to fix. You're doing this and you're doing that, but where is your heart? And just like the Pharaoh, everybody on the world is getting a harder and harder heart for the people that love God. So... The Iranian religion of Zoroastrianism uh, is actually very interesting because when you actually look at the deity sign, right, the sign of the deity um, actually is very closely similar to the sign of Anu, the god, uh, one of the great triad, the god of the Mesopotamian faith. And in that time, they had uh, the ones where a Abraham was working in the temple in Ur. And that Ur was based off one of the deities of the great triad called Enlil. And then before we have Enlil, we also have Enki, which was supposed to be essentially the creator, quote-unquote, of the human race. And then you had Anu, which was the father. And the symbol for Anu is the symbol of Zoroastrianism. And Zoroastrianism says he has a son, and the son was a flame. And when we look at that, we see Enlil as his biological son when it goes into the Sumerian tablets. So this is where we go, and we go to Jesus. 
I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one goes to the Father except through me, in John 14, verse 6. When Jesus mentions this, he doesn't say anything about that, you know, he's a fire. He doesn't say anything about that. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. This is the life that we must follow. This is what we need to do. And in Mesopotamian faith, Enlil was evil. Um, Enki was supposed to be the good one. When we go in there, uh, Isaiah says, You are my witnesses, declares the Lord and my servant, who I have, who, um, I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. So, in Isaiah, he's a saying, I am the God. I am the one that has always been, I'm here, you know. And before him, there was no God that was formed, nor will there ever be a God after me. And that is a very important verse right there, because it hinges right on the branch of Christianity, because we have people that, look at Jesus, and then we have two different sides of people that look at Jesus, and we say, Jesus is God, or Jesus is the Son of God, right? Now we have to go by what Jesus says. Jesus implies things that could say he's God, or it implies things that says he is a servant and the Son of God, right? So, when we understand every duality of God, and we understand the duality of Jesus, we understand what is being said. So, Matthew 24, 24 says, For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. This is where it comes down to a very big point, to where it comes down to Protestant, uh, the Protestant uh, part of the faith. Mainly Calvinism. Calvinists believe that the elect are saved, that they'll always be saved, and they'll always go to heaven no matter what happens. That God chose them before the hand of fate, and they will go straight to heaven because they are elected by God. God chose them before the foundation of the world. This is wrong because Matthew 24, 24 already discredits that because he's saying he's going to lead people astray, even the elect. So if Calvinism was correct, then the elect wouldn't be deceived. In Psalms 115, we see that there's idols. Um, their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak, eyes but do not see. They have ears but do not hear, noses but do not smell. They have hands but do not feel, but do not feet but do not walk, and they do not make sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them. So all who trust in them. And so do all who trust in them. So, 
what does that mean? You can make as many idols and uh, things of God as you wish. You can look at all the statues of Jesus that you want to believe. You can look at anything and use them as an idol. Say that you worship, you know, this person or this God or this God. But at the end of the day, God says, make no idols of me. Make nothing. I am always existing. I'm always around you. I'm here. I'm with you. Exodus 34, 14, For you shall worship no other God for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. When we understand that, there sh that we shall not worship no other God before you know, the Lord, we understand um, that God doesn't want us to be led astray from other things. What are these beings that have influenced our lives so much? What are they here for? Why do people get so confused when we have God's word in front of us? 1 Corinthians, Paul even stated it, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, from whom all things and through whom we exist. <clears throat> so, think about that. We have one God and one Lord. Complete differential of wording. Jesus is Lord. His Father is God. We have all things set before there. And in Isaiah 41.10, we see the righteous right hand of, you know, of God. And the right hand of God is Jesus. We see that he sits at the right hand of God. And from him sitting at the right hand of God, we see that there is a separation. Separation means that God is God and Jesus is the Lord of that inherited the kingdom of heaven, which was prophesied in the book of Daniel 7. We understand this now. So, the greatest concept in belief that happens is that there is no other gods. Zoroastrianism is another form of confusion. Another form of ways that we can look at things and be confused by what is there? Now, do we act hostile to anybody who says that they believe in another religion? No, we don't have to be hostile. We don't need to call them idiots. We don't need to call them names. Share the gospel with them and plant the seed and then move on if they don't want to hear it. Let God do his work. God can soften the heart. We can only give them the word. Jesus came and gave us the gospel. We take the gospel and we share it. Once we share it, that is in their head. It'll always be there. And all they need to do is wait for their heart to be softened. And then they'll finally give in. And if they choose not to give in, we can't stop that. It is not up to us, it's up to God. 
So, if you've ever been confused about your faith or anything, if you're always curious about these world religions that have parallels and stuff like that, just remember that these are all forms of confusion that have been established by the enemies. Thank you for listening, and I do hope that this uh, episode has been insightful for you. God bless you all, and have a good week, and I hope to have another episode up soon for you.